We've got exclusive new reporting this hour that shows the widening scope of the federal probe into attempts to overturn the 2020 election. Even though former President Trump was charged a month ago with four criminal counts for orchestrating a broad conspiracy to hold on to power, the special counsel leading that probe, Jack Smith, is still digging. That's according to multiple sources familiar with the investigation. And it raises the possibility that others could still face legal peril. So Jack Smith is following the money. Sources tell us Smith's team of prosecutors has asked two recent witnesses about how money that was raised off baseless claims of voter fraud was spent to fund attempts to breach voting systems in several key states that Joe Biden won. So we know prosecutors have focused their questions on the role specifically of former Trump lawyer Sidney Powell, who entered the public consciousness with unsubstantiated claims like this one. We have mathematical evidence in a number of states of massive quantities of Trump votes being trashed, just simply put in the trash like you would on your computer with any file, and uh, Biden votes being injected. As Poppy noted, unsubstantiated and outright lie. Now, you'll remember Powell was indicted in the Georgia election subversion case, but she remains an unindicted co-conspirator in the federal case. CNN obtained invoices that show Powell's nonprofit, Defending the Republic, hired forensic firms that access voting equipment in four swing states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona. In Georgia, that access looked like this. The Coffee County GOP chair standing by as others inspect the county elections office the day after the attack on the Capitol. We want to bring in CNN's Zachary Cohen, who helped break this story. Uh, Zach, there's a ton in here, and I think that's important to note, the full context of things. But lay out what the special counsel has been investigating since the indictment. Yeah, good morning, guys. Jack Smith is doing exactly what he said he was going to do about a month ago when he indicted former President Trump. He's still digging. And sources are telling me and our colleague Paula Reed that he's focusing on a, a few key areas. And one, as you mentioned, is following the money and looking into Sidney Powell and her nonprofit, uh, Defending the Republic. You'll remember that Sidney Powell raised a lot of money. It's really, we're not sure how much, but it was a lot, a lot of money based on these lies. The election was stolen. She then said that this Defending the Republic group was something that could help fund the legal challenges that she and other Trump lawyers were basically um, putting forward in key swing states trying to dispute the outcome there. But, you know, Jack Smith has been asking at least two witnesses about Sidney Powell and whether she was ever able to back up these claims of election fraud. They wanted to know how the money from defending the republic went to um, basically fund these efforts to find any evidence of voter fraud which, or widespread fraud, which they did not. And then these voting system breaches in multiple states that were part of that hunt. You know, Sidney Powell, as you mentioned, these invoices do connect defending the republic directly to these breaches that we've seen investigated at a state level before, but not really from a federal level. So Jack Smith does seem to still be investigating that those two elements of this. It's really interesting reporting from you and Paula. This is a really focused on people outside of former President Trump's act, but how does it all connect to the former president? Yeah, Poppy, um, Jack Smith made clear in his indictment, too, right, that Donald Trump sits atop what he'd outlined as a vast conspiracy to overturn the election. And Sidney Powell, as an unindicted co-conspirator in that case, mm -hmm. was part of the effort to ultimately overturn the election or try to overturn the election on Trump's behalf. So, you know, Sidney Powell does seem to still have potentially some legal jeopardy here. Prosecutors are still asking questions. But, you know, we, it remains to be seen whether or not she will ultimately face charges. It, it, it was worth noting, though, that in Georgia, the, the charges that she faces there are all tied to a voting system breach in Coffee County, Georgia, which is a rural Republican-heavy mm -hmm. county in South Georgia. So Coffee County has come up in some of these witness interviews 
um, that have been conducted by Jack Smith's team recently, as well as some breaches in Michigan and Pennsylvania. Yeah, Zach, that's actually something I wanted to follow up on. You, our colleagues, including Sarah Murray, have broken a ton of news on the Coffee County element, specifically the breaches. What else have you learned? How does this all kind of tie together? Yeah, we're like three years past January 6th. We're still learning about, um, you know, how different people played significant roles in this effort to overturn the election. And, you know, I learned just recently that another witness came forward in April, sat down with the special counsel's office and said, look, his former boss, a, um, a wealthy GOP donor in Pennsylvania by the name of Bill Bockenberg, helped fund a multi-state effort to gain access to voting systems, not only in Pennsylvania, but in Arizona, in Michigan, and in Georgia. So, you know, people coming forward and really, um, you know, Bakkenberg was a fake elector, the top fake elector in Pennsylvania. So people have been coming forward and reporting things that they think the feds need to investigate. Jack Smith has been asking questions about the broader effort to gain access to voting systems and the funding behind it, but it remains to be seen how that might play into a federal investigation or potentially criminal charges down the line. Okay, Zachary Cohen, thanks again for the reporting. Here to discuss CNN political correspondent Sarah Murray, CNN senior legal analyst and former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, Ellie Honig. Uh, Sarah, I, I want to start with you because you've been so deep in the weeds covering all of the different elements of just about all of the different legal cases here. What stands out to you uh, as you look through this reporting, as you've been calling your sources about what this means? Well, I think two things stand out. One, I mean, we knew that some of these voting breaches were being looked at on a local level. Obviously, we knew they were being looked at in Georgia, where a number of these folks faced charges for the Coffee County breach. But it's notable that the special counsel is looking into them. It's also notable that this investigation is continuing. When we saw this indictment against former President Donald Trump, we saw all of these unindicted co-conspirators along with him. And we've been wondering since then, are these people who are going to face charges at some point? And I think that this latest reporting from uh, Zach Cohen and Paula Reed still holds out that possibility. It's very clear the special counsel's investigation is not over, is continuing, and that there could be others who are facing potential legal peril. Let's turn, uh, Ellie, to what's going on with the judge in the Mark Meadows case and this attempt to move to federal court. Sure. He could make the decision today. This judge has asked for both sides to brief him further on the issue. What's at stake here in this decision, whichever way it goes? Yeah, so I think this is going to be a very close call, and I think it'll come down very soon. The judge did ask for extra briefing last week. The question as to whether Mark Meadows gets from state court, where he's charged in the yep. Fulton County case, over to federal court, where he wants to be, is was he acting within the scope of his role as White House chief of staff? The judge said, well, what if some of it was in that role and some of it was outside the role, and the parties obviously disagree on that? If this case goes over to federal court, first of all, big win for Mark Meadows. He will potentially have a more favorable jury pool. He might have a more favorable appellate court waiting for him in the federal system. And he's going to ask for dismissal if he gets to the federal court. The other big question, and we don't know the answer to this, if Meadows, one of the 18 or 19 defendants, gets over into federal court, do all other 18 automatically go with him, including... Donald Trump. Now, we don't know the answer. It's never come up. I think the better answer is no. Each defendant has to stand on their own. But this is another one of those unresolved issues that's going to be crucial. Mm -hmm. Sarah, I think it might be easy for people to forget. In fact, if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't notice it at all. Uh, Peter Navarro is actually facing a trial at this point. <laughs> There's a jury selection as well. Uh, former top Trump White House official. What's going on there? I think Peter Navarro would be devastated, first of all, to hear that you've forgotten about him, Bill. <laughs> yes, he uh, he is going to trial now for defying a subpoena for the January 6th Select Committee. It's taken him a while to get to this point, in part because the judge decided to give his team a little bit more deference to sort of play out this argument of whether he should not have had to comply with the subpoena because there was some presidential privilege that Donald Trump invoked that was preventing him from handing over documents, from testifying, and ultimately, again, the judge 
gave them a while to play this out, to argue this. The judge found this argument was, quote, pretty weak sauce. And so now Peter Navarro is essentially going to trial where the jury has to decide, did he intentionally and willfully defy this subpoena? So it's going to be a much lower bar for the jury to meet. And, uh, you know, a number of the defenses that Peter Navarro may have had have already essentially been neutered by this judge. It makes people, Ellie, think back to uh, Steve Bannon, for example. But you also make the really important point, big picture, that this is a reminder of the invaluable work that the January 6th committee did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, these are the two prosecutions that came out of people defying the January yeah. 6th committee subpoena. Steve Bannon was convicted last year, sentenced to four months. He's on appeal now. Peter Navarro is in a very similar situation where Steve Bannon was before his trial, which was there's kind of no defense at this point. He, ha he was going to make this executive privilege defense, but the judge now he barred can. it. He said, no, there's no evidence of it. This is going to be just a defiance and appeal trial. St uh, Peter Navarro is going to basically just hope somebody on the jury nullifies, meaning says, I don't yeah. care about the law and the facts, I'm letting them go. That happens sometimes. But he's really going to be playing for appeal here. And yeah, look, let's remember, DOJ was sort of stuck in, the, in, in its tracks here on this overall investigation until last summer, 2022, when the January 6th committee really brought this all to attention. And yeah. I think that changed the whole political tenor around this. That's a great point, Ellie. Thank you, Sarah. Great reporting. Thanks. Thanks.